Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I have learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Is how you decorate your home important to you? Interior design and home decor have become increasingly popular over the years, causing the launch of a number of retail stores, brands, and social media accounts even that help individuals create a household with personality. Rachel Ashwell is an author, designer, and creator of Shabby Chic, a boutique brand specializing in furniture, art, bedding, and clothing that will be sure to add a vintage flair to your home. Rachel opened up the first Shabby Chic store in 1989 in Santa Monica, California, where it still operates today. With over 30 years of experience in business, I am so thrilled for you to hear from Rachel and learn about the triumphs and challenges she faced as a self-made businesswoman, as well as the incredible brand she's created. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Rachel Ashwell, you're an author, a self-made businesswoman, and the creator of the brand Shabby Chic. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to, I love home decor. I guess I'll preface with that. I love home decor and I love really, I guess the vibe you can say of Shabby Chic. So I'm very excited Mm -hmm. to talk about the brand and how you started the company so if you will, mm-hmm. for those who may not know, what is Shabby Chic and how would you best describe your company? Well, you know, when I started it, which was probably before you were born, um, it was in <laughs> 1989, it was with the idea of it being one little shop in Santa Monica, California, of course, way before the Google button and social media and influencers and all of that, it was a very kind of authentic little corner shop Um, and it was really just to bring to market machine washable slip covered furniture very comfortable high quality because I definitely even way back then believe that things should last as close to forever as possible Um, and then I've always been a big fan of vintage so it was really to bring those kind of pieces to market But over the course of the years, 30 years, um, through development of additional products, through development of way back before the Kardashians, I had a TV show on the (laughs) E-Style Network. Um, That was for three years. So, And that, you know, I touched upon way more than just vintage furniture and sofas. So, um, and then, of course, I've now just actually penned my 12th book. So... When you put all of those pieces of the puzzle together, it actually by itself becomes a lifestyle brand. And what I have found as I have evolved as a designer and as I have become more mature just as a human being, Mm -hmm. that it really is actually a philosophy. It's a philosophy that is really how you live, you know, everything from the sofa you choose to the flowers you bring in the house to how you really appreciate the world of imperfection and that can go into your relationships as much as it does into interior design so you know it it kind of took on like I say it was became a movement and 
uh, home decor aesthetic, which of course, again, over 30 years, has been borrowed and inspired by, you know, big chain stores, not such big chain stores. It's been in in fashion. It's been out of fashion. Um, but I would say it's now this lifestyle brand, um, which of course, I think the reason it's had the sustainability that it's had is it's got some real core values of how to live that really never go out of style. You know, you may love pink more one year than the next. You may love chippy furniture one year more than the next but mm. the actual philosophy of wanting a home that's beautiful comfortable and functional which is my mantra um that never really goes out of style or fashion right well one thing I love and I guess I can sort of share a similar interest with is that you this all really began because the eye you had for vintage furniture correct mm-hmm. I love yeah, that I mean the, 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 it really began with this wanting to bring this machine washable slip covered furniture to market because there wasn't one at that time. Mm-hmm. But to complement that was where the vintage came in. But my my development phase, my incubator was these slip covered furniture. Amazing. Yeah, we we mm-hmm. do. I feel like we live in a time where home decor has become so big. Um, there's so yeah. many retail stores for it now and just independent boutiques and shops. Uh, people love decorating their homes and I can't blame them mm-hmm. because a home is really a reflection of yourself and how you live your life and your personality and so forth. So what does then, I guess, the shabby chic mean to you? Um, well, like I said, my mantra, a good place to start. My mantra is beauty, comfort, function. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that that's your home, you know, that's it, quite diverse and what those mean to you or what that means to you but I do believe that one especially now I think we've all learned that in these past (laughs) few months um, that you mustn't underestimate the importance of having your little safe sanctuary whether it's a castle or a little shack Mm -hmm. um, the importance of that really being somewhere that you feel emotionally aesthetically physically safe Um, because, you know, it can be quite brutal out in the world on many levels. Right. <laughs> so, you know, for me, I think that that's where it all begins. Yeah, that's super true for right now. I feel like with mm-hmm. so many people, your home is just a haven with yeah, this yeah. pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes. to decorate it the way you want and to a point where you feel comfortable and safe and secure in it is really the goal. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talk about holistic, you know, like in, in medicine and in, 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 you know, a lot of kind of spiritual talk. And, mm-hmm. you know, my home isn't necessarily covered in, you know, Buddhas and, and all of that. But I'm very sensitive to making sure that I do touch upon all of my senses. You know, what does it look like? What does it feel like, both emotionally and to the touch? You know, what's the fragrance? You know, what am I hearing? Um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, all of those things, we, we, you kind of, you know, especially with all of technology and flashing blue lights and beeps of phones and, you know, there's so much stuff that we think we don't even hear anymore because it's just this mm-hmm. secondary sound. But actually we do. It's just we're numb to it. And so I think it's very important to really decorate and make choices with your home in a 
a very sensitive, very mindful way that you really do look out for where is that blue light flashing and, you know, is my phone off and all those types <laughs> of things, I think, are equally important to the color that you paint your walls. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. So yeah. I guess let's go back in time. Um, okay. When you began Shabby Chic, you had mm -hmm. a two-year-old and a newborn, if I'm correct. I did. Yes, yes I did. So, and you originally envisioned opening <clears throat> sort of a small shop that would let you sort of fulfill your desire to have a business and sell the items that you wanted, but also uh, be a mother and mother as well. So yes, that, exactly. It definitely yeah. didn't turn out that way, I guess you could say, for the better. So how was that in the very beginning, sort of getting right off the ground with the company? Well, um, you know, I come from a family of kind of shooting by the hip people. Mm -hmm. As far as, you know, it's not like I come from a family that I was used to seeing a parent going off to an office. So, you know, the fact that I was able to kind of develop the ingredients for Shabby Chic with one kid on the hip and the other kid, you know, rolling around on the floor, um, you know, that wasn't really an intimidating thought for me. Um, but in saying that, you know, you're quite correct. The concept was to find a little shop that I could put the kids kind of in the back room and just, you know, come out and fluff some pillows. And it was supposed to be this very kind of mellow situation <laughs> because prior to that, I was a stylist prior to having children. I was a stylist and used to do, um, you know, wardrobe and stuff for commercials. And I thought, you know, I can't with two small kids have a huge career. So that's what this job, you know, was mm -hmm. supposed to be. But, you know, I have to say, um, you know, of course it did really kind of explode in a, in a good way. And I don't know, I just, I kind of anchored myself with, you know, what are my values and, you know, what, what, and what's non-negotiable for me as far as how I wanted to raise my kids in the, at all different times of their lives, from being babies to young kids to teenagers. And so I kind of had those priorities and then I made commitments around it. Um, you know, I, I maybe, I kind of, block things out, but I don't remember it being like, oh my God, this is just too much. I never, never, never felt that with having, you know, newborns and toddlers and things. You know, I would have a double stroller. I would take them to the flea market. I mean, I, I, just, I don't know. I just kind of, it just kind of worked for me quite well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, I've said this uh, a bunch of times. I have such, I guess I'm just always impressed and amazed by working mothers and especially female founders who are also mothers um, mm. and, and starting their own companies and, and launching them and also being a mother. It's amazing. I, I tell my mom that all the time. I never knew how she did it. Mm. <laughs> she... I think what's important, because obviously I'm also a business owner, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think it's it's finding that balance where... I mean, obviously, you know, kids get sick and accidents happen at school and emergencies happen. But I think what's really important when you try and decide to do that balance is to really be honest with your limitations. Right. Because nobody wins by you saying, you know, you can be sure to be somewhere, but then you can't because of these other things when you when you when you make plans where you're stretching yourself too thin, mm -hmm. you know, that's a lose lose for everybody. But if you really know, you know what, I know I can only work four hours. 
and, and those four hours I can work 100%, then, then that's a win-win. You know, you know what your boundaries are and you know that you can come up with whatever you need to come up with in those four hours. But I think when we try and put un, un, unrealistic expectations on ourselves and overpromise, I think that's where it gets not healthy for anybody. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, I love to create a schedule, you know, to have mm-hmm. sort of all my commitments written down ahead mm-hmm. of me so that I know what I'm doing. And it's okay if things go off course and yeah. you know, it gets overwhelming at times. But like you said, know your boundaries, know when to yeah. say no to things. Don't take yeah. on, you know, more than you can handle. Uh, it never yeah, turns out. Yeah, because you're going to be frazzled and you're also going to let other people down as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think we just all have to be really honest with our limitations, really. Right. Well, another thing. So you were born and raised in London, but you moved to California um, when you were a teenager, correct? I'm 19. Just 19, about. Just about. <laughs> yes. Amazing. And then that's when yes. you began the career in styling, which is fantastic. So mm-hmm. how did that, I guess, geographic impact the brand, if you will? Um, maybe the brand style and then also just as a businesswoman coming from the UK and then coming to the States and operating your business that way. Well, I mean, of course, you know, 19 and again, way back then where there weren't even cell phones. I mean, that's Google. (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't even think there were fax machines. Um, So, you know, way back then, you know, my, my intentions and my agenda was very innocent. I just wanted to see what the big land of opportunity felt like. So I came to California when I was 19 and with the intention of continuing my styling work because I left school at 16 and so I had been doing styling for three years already in England. Um, you know, as far as, you know, in, and me doing Shabby Sheep, you know, that came along, you know, 10 years later, in, exactly 10 years later because I came out to California in 1979 and then continued styling, met my husband, had my children, and then started Shabby Chic in 1989. So, um, you know, as far as what the influences were, I mean, again, at 19, you know, my influences were definitely, you know, I was raised in a kind of an antique family, meaning I was at the antique flea markets with my parents. Very unrelated subject. My dad was an antique <laughs> book dealer. My mother was an antique doll collector. So it was kind of quirky things. But it was very bohemian. Uh, but, you know, interestingly enough, my dad was sure. American and my mother was from uh, New Zealand. So it's not like the, I had heritage of British in me, but I mm-hmm. was raised for 19 years in England. And um, so kind of through osmosis, nearly, I think <laughs> just the, the British culture was kind of in my periphery vision and in my soul. But not necessarily, it's not like I was raised in you know, beautiful country cottages and fabulous gardens and chintz slipcovers. I, I, I wasn't really raised in, in an aesthetically, you know, it was it was pleasant, but it wasn't mm-hmm. a designery type of upbringing. But nevertheless, I think, um, you know, there's something rather humble about the British and there's something rather frugal about the British. Um, <laughs> and so when you put that together with the opulence and the, wide open spaces of California and the sunshine and light and bright, there is kind of something that, an interesting recipe that comes together from those two very diverse um, aesthetics. And interestingly enough, when people come into my store in 
California, you know, it's not unusual for people to say, oh, it just feels so British. But then I've had a store, I don't anymore, but I had a store in Notting Hill in London and people would come and say, oh, this feels so Californian. So, you know, I think that on both sides, people see, you know, the influence of, of the other side when they come in. Right. Well, I think all you have to do is take one look at uh, Shabby Chic's merchandise, the products you have, and you can clearly see that I think those two locations, it's a byproduct of. You can yeah, see sort yeah. of the, the English influence there. And then also you can see, like you said, the Bohemian Californian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then one of the things I love about you, Rachel, when I was looking into your story and learning so much about you is that you're very um, upfront about challenges you faced as a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. Um, And in 2008, so you did hit a snag as so many businesses did during that Mm -hmm. time. How did you manage to bounce back? Because you actually did have to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, the company did. Me personally mm-hmm. did, but yes, the company did. Um, you know, it was devastating, and the reason it was devastating was it was it was a tough time for me because my mum also passed away that year, and it was just a crappy time. But mm-hmm. um, you know, when I decided, basically, what happened was in two thousand and seven when my kids were now off at college, and I thought, you know what, it's time for Shabby Sheik to go off to college too. I've kind of <laughs> done my bit, but now I need someone or some a team that knows way more than I do. So I decided to bring on investors. And, you know, again, we just discussed that at school at 16. I, did, I haven't been trained in anything, not design, not business, not finances, nothing. I just, you know, life has been my school. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to, you know, hitch my wagon to a team that really <laughs> knows what they're doing. And so, of course, you know, I was very, um, I, I found meeting with suits, not in like a, Meanwhile, I just thought, oh, you know, they're proper businessmen. You know, they know more than me. Mm-hmm. So I chose quite carefully, I thought, um, back in 2007. And, you know, there was a fairly exciting and aggressive plan to grow this business. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but that was the plan. And, of course, in part because I think maybe some infrastructure wasn't put in place quite as solidly as it should have been as well as what happened to the economy, basically everything crumbled. Um, the newness crumbled and also my, um, you know, 15 years, whatever it was, of the company that I'd already built had also crumbled. So there was literally nothing. Um, and it was tough. And there was like a seven-year period of somebody bought the name and I was kind of involved, but I wasn't really. And so there was a seven-year period of just this patchwork quilt of, how this company was kind of, I don't know, patchwork together. Sure. Um, and, you know, my nature, I mean, this is where I'm trying to learn, actually, in many areas of my life, as I'm now, you know, 15 years older from that point in time, is um, I couldn't bear the idea of this beautiful soul just disappearing down a plug hole. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ready. You know, some brands just, you know, they, they reach their peak and it's like, you know what, you had your time and it's it's tired now, it's time to go on. But that wasn't what it was for Shabby at all. And so I fought tooth and nail during those seven years and worked around as best I could to stay involved. And, and ultimately I brought it back. But, you know, what's the lessons learned there is that, you know, sometimes you have to look at you know, what, it, what, what pieces are worth hanging on to and what, where is it time to 
do things differently. You know, Shabby Chic to this day, I feel, still is relevant. But, Mm -hmm. you know, what I did when I bought it back was I instantly opened a ton more stores again. Not a ton, but several. Because I just wanted to put Humpty Dumpty back together again the way it was. (laughs) But actuality, by the time I got it back, online was starting to really fester and become, you know, a very important um, opportunity. So what should I have done, really? I probably should not have opened as many stores as I did and put more of my resources into this new movement of online shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't because I just, I wanted that New York store back. I wanted that San Francisco store back. You know, I wanted the Malibu right. store back. Um, so, you know, I, I have learned in, in all areas of my life that to look and see, you know, what is still relevant and where is the best place to put your resources, whether it's financial or emotional or you know, whatever it is, or time, and build upon that rather than being so kind of um, uh, attached to what was. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in those seven years, we, we went through a lot. And, um, you know, and now, of course, everyone's been <laughs> struck with, okay, now what do we yeah. do now? Now, of course, I'm thrilled that I don't have, you know, a ton of stores because that would have been terrible. And, and in the last few years, we have um, put a lot of our resources into our online business, which again, for many companies, especially in the home industry, has actually been uh, quite solid during this, this these last few months. Right. So, you know, that's kind of how I got back up. But again, I potentially, if I could do it all again, I probably should have put on a couple of different pairs of shoes when I got <laughs> got, got back up. Well, like you said, um, it's a lot happening at once. Um, yeah. Even right now, it's so hard to, I mean, you can't prepare for something like a pandemic even. How could anybody no. prepare for that? No. So some no. things just hit you and there's no way to really prepare. And sure, I guess at the end of the day, we could really sit down and analyze, oh, I could have done this differently or that differently. But, you know, yeah. some things are just learning lessons. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, in 2013, then you did regain full ownership of the company, um, Mm -hmm. which you had talked about. And you had also brought up digital sales. So I guess let's get into that. Because as someone like yourself, who had a company before the digital age, and is now, you know, now we're in this crazy digital age with social media and, you know, online sales being more important than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been for you? Well, I think, you know, like with everything, it's, it's, um, huge opportunities. Um, but also again, depending upon what your brand is, you have to work out how to, you know, keep the integrity of your brand and what your brand stands for in this new environment. So for me, um, it felt important to continue having at least one store in the universe, just one, mm-hmm. you know, um, And that store for me functions as a living manifestation of all the behind the scenes, you know, whether it's design meetings and products and how it all comes together. Now, of course, you know, we have global sales and not everybody gets to come to that store, you know, even though we try and do videos and all of that. Mm -hmm. But for me, as a designer, it's important that I can walk into that store and see whether it really does all come to life cohesively. Because, of course, you know, people don't come in and buy a whole store. They come and buy the bedding or the sofa or whatever. But it's important to me to see that. So, um, you know, 
we, we still have the Santa Monica store. It's been at the same location for 31 years. <laughs> um, but as far as the digital piece, um, obviously, you know, it's, it's, there's so much of um, knowledge that's needed technically, marketing-wise, that, you know, and it's forever changing and it's hugely expensive, you know, to, to work out all those moving parts. And it's very technical, and I can't say I know hardly any of it. You know, I have, I can't even call it a team. I have a couple of people that that's pretty much what they do all day. Um, so, you know, I that's just something that, you know, you just have to keep up with as, as best you can, again, with resources. <clears throat> but, exactly, yeah. you know, for, for me, what's very important is, you know, it's at the end of the day, your online business is another window. And what I'm very territorial about is that that window through photography, through words that are used, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that stays as true to what I, what's important to me as a store would. You know, so if I see a picture that's cropped a bit wrong or maybe the lighting, you know, I'm at every photo shoot, but, you know, maybe the way it's been imported into the screen, the lighting's not quite right. I'm even in England, I'm on the phone instantly like, ah, you know, it's no different than if a pillow isn't presented right in the store. So I think it's, it's, you know, very important to keep that piece, um, you know, really true to your brand and for it to have a voice. You know, I think, you know, I, I like to write and, you know, I, I've, in my older, more mature years, you know, I kind of am very inspired by philosophy and quotes and all of that. And, you know, I think wherever you can, especially on a digital platform where you don't have, you know, a lovely sales associate in the store telling that story as somebody's interested in buying some bedding or whatever, I think it's very important to economically with words, because people don't want to read pages and pages, to find the right words to communicate, you know, what this product is all about. And so, you know, I do my best to enforce that that doesn't slip because I think that's, then then you're on a slippery slope. Well, I love what you said there about trying to create that in-store experience Mm. via the internet and via online sales. Um, Mm -hmm. because I'm someone who I I guess I'm very old fashioned in that way. I love going to the movies and, you know, not really, I I love watching stuff here at home, but I love, you know, going to a theater and I love going to a store. Of course, Mm -hmm. buying online Mm -hmm. is super convenient, especially right now with everything going on. But I am still someone, especially when it comes to home decor to see something in person. I love that experience. But given, especially given, like I said, the time we're in and you do have to buy some of the necessities online right now, I Mm. think that's really great that you're taking that, I guess, care in what your customer is seeing and trying to give them that in-store experience of what a product would look like in person. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we're probably one of the most challenged businesses um, in as much as, you know, when you're buying a $5,000 sofa, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I would certainly want to sit in it. Right. <laughs> um, you know, there's a pitch to it. There's a, you know, a kind of a, a cushion element to it. Some people like firm, some people like soft. And then of course the fabric itself, you know, that's pretty hard to communicate without physically sitting in it. And if you do it, if you don't sit in it and you make a mistake, that's a pretty big 
shipping situation to mm. to work out. So, you know, fortunately, I think that's one of the um, big advantages of being around for 31 years is that even though people haven't necessarily been able to all go and experience and sit on one of our pieces of furniture, you know, when you've been around for 31 years and I have such a voice, we have a tremendous amount of goodwill and trust that people just trust us. So I think that that's a value that even though um, it, it, it's a little bit of a, a risky thing for people, mm-hmm. we do have something that a brand that people really trust. Which is so important right now. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I will, I will note you have a lovely Instagram page. Shabby Chic has so many oh my goodness the pictures I was checking them out before this but yes um Instagram social media that's such a big part of advertisement these days too so um, I will note that the shabby chic page um has amazing images of the products yeah I mean I I'm actually that that's one that I relinquish um (laughs) so I have to give credit to um my my Shabby Chic Village for working on that one. You know, the one that I'm very territorial on is my own, the Rachel Ashford one, where I integrate products, but it's really my my journey, my, my stream of consciousness, whether it's design, whether it's travel, whether it's inspiration. Yeah. Um, so you, you definitely see the product, but it's not all about product. Right, and you're very interactive, which I think also is so great as a businesswoman to um, just really interact as much as you can with your your yes. audience, your customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that's part of building that trust. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Rachel, this was so fun. And like I said, so social media pages and where can people find uh, Shabby Chic products? Well, there's the Santa Monica store. Like I said, that's been there for 31 years, and that's in Santa Monica. So that's the store. And then, um, of course, online, shabbychic.com. And that, that's, that's, you know, mainly where, where the products are found. Um, you know, as far as knowing what's going on, like I said, if you want to know more of my story, it's just Rachel Ashwell, as far as the Instagram goes. Um, I, I do do, during lockdown, I managed to do, I think I'm at number 88 IGTV videos, mm-hmm. um, which was actually, because I, I was, as I said, I was stuck, although I don't consider it stuck in the English countryside, but I was by myself and I felt, oh my God, I've got to communicate to the world. <laughs> so I started doing these videos. Um, they started off being face-to-face, just my meandering thoughts, but as lockdown over in England lifted, I was able to do start doing these house tours. So all of those house tours of the English countryside in London and all of that, in Greece and France, they're all on my Rachel Ashwell IGTV handle. Um, yes, and I was and able to, I will know, I was able to check those out and I absolutely mm-hmm. love them. And for all the listeners, like I will recommend to check them out, check out your page um, and I love bring on the Instagram lives. I think they're so much fun. And I, I think that's, it's been such a fun thing that's come out of the whole quarantine. Oh, I know. Yeah, because um, again, you, you see real raw, you know, we're all at home and we haven't had our hair done. And, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's yeah, it's really great. Um, and then I do have a new book coming out in April, uh, which I did all during lockdown. 
Um, so that was an interesting project. It's called Rachel's Painted Stories. Awesome. So that'll be out. And what will year. you, um, and not to spoil a ton of it, but what are some of the, I guess, ideas you'll be talking about in that? What's it about? Well, there's no, there's no photography because I couldn't do photography. Uh-huh. Um, so it's all sketches and artists. So it's very visual. It's a very visual book, but just Great. in different mediums. Um, and it's really like my stream of conscious, my, my, my world. I talk about music. I talk about movies. I talk about why I love a piece of furniture. I talk about, you know, love affair through some paintings. It's it's really just like my little bedtime notebook that has kind of just all come out of me during during that few months of not being able to speak to anybody. <laughs> so it's a very different type of book. Well, that's great to hear. I can't wait to check it out. I love to read and I'm so glad that you love to write because you do yeah. you have several books out and photography as well. Um, you're very passionate about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, All right. before we wrap, Rachel, since this is handling it and life is just all about handling the ups and downs, what's a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned along the way as a businesswoman throughout your career that's really helped you handle your life? Um, I would say, you know, have your eye on what is working. Because when things go wrong, it looks like everything's wrong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, pick your way through what's working and try and save those pieces. You may not save everything. But, you know, sometimes, and again, this is where philosophy of life, relationships is the crossover. You know, sometimes if you let all that isn't quite right, just let it go. And in my case, let's say it wasn't right for me to have 15 stores, but one is fabulous. Mm -hmm. And so if you say what matters and meaningful, um, beautiful things can come from that. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. You're welcome. All right, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Rachel and learning about her journey with Shabby Chic. Her resilience as a businesswoman and dedication to the brand is what I found so inspiring. And with so many companies struggling right now during the pandemic, I hope that Rachel's story can help any business owners out there that are looking for guidance. So if you don't live near Santa Monica, Shabby Chic has some incredible furniture, decor, and clothing on their website, which I've listed in the episode description below. As Rachel said in our conversation, we all want our homes to be a place where we feel comfortable and at peace especially right now during these very stressful times. So be sure to check out their website and see how you can bring a little bit of the shabby chic look into your house. Thank you, Rachel, so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling a Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. We'll see you this Friday with a brand new episode. But until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.